My father was always a Newcastle fan, and I was proud. I was a real manager. I became besotted with football. I was a bit of a star, a little prodigy in my little village. So many failed. You think managing is easy? I was in the manager for eight years. Eight years. George, I don't think there's been a manager in the game like me. I loved Ipswich and European nights with Porto, Sporting Lisbon, PSV, and obviously Barcelona. I came home and I, I, George, I think I did a hell of a job. You know, the northeast means uh, a lot to me. Maybe the legacy, which is just as important to me, is that I'm going to try and help people fight cancer. So you know, I, I've been lucky. This is Bobby 90, a four-part podcast series brought to you by The Athletic to mark what would have been Sir Bobby Robson's 90th birthday. My name is George Culkin, and towards the end of his life I worked with Sir Bobby on his final book. We looked at photographs, stirred memories, turned pages. It took Sir Bobby on a journey, his journey, from his early days as a miner's son in County Durham, through his mazy career in management, back home to Newcastle, and finally as his health declined, leading what he would describe as his last and greatest team, the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation. These recordings brought to you by kind permission of Sir Bobby's family have never been heard before. Episode 2. Sir Bobby's extraordinary life in management is a story of adventure and success. Trophies at Ipswich Town. Eight years with England an unmatched dribble through European clubs. But all that success was hard won. Trials and tribulations. Yeah. Learn about losing. Yeah. How to react from losing. Yeah. Easy to win, John. Yeah. It's when you lose. Yeah. It's the next, it's the next week yeah. and the next match. And then you lose again. And well, that's why so, so many fail. Yeah. They think it's easy. Yeah. They think managing is easy. And it's the most difficult job in sport, is managing a football club, getting consistent results, yeah. running a club, learning about judging a player, tactics, training, preparation, scouting, setting up a network of scouts, you know, foreseeing the whole initiative. Discipline from players, discipline of your own staff. Yeah. It's amazing. And unless you've got that experience and you're a shrewd cookie, you, you fail. I mean, he can't cope. No. Can't cope. No. Headache. Shannon rang me at two o'clock in the morning one day to buy gates. Woke me up. And when I complained to someone, I said, listen, when Shannon rings you up at two o'clock in the morning to buy one of your players, you should be delighted. That means you've arrived on the scene. It's true, isn't it? My wife said, who's that? I said, it's Bill Shannon. What is it? Two o'clock in the morning. I said, yeah. He wants to buy gates. <laughs> George, I don't think there's been a manager in the game like me in terms of when I was at Ipswich. I was manager, I was coach, I was on the pitch every day. I bought and sold players, I negotiated contracts. All the time I was there, the chairman and the board of directors never bought and sold a player. I did it. Never contracted a player, or, you know, I did it. I set up the youth policies, you know, network of scouts, I would scout myself. I never signed a player unless I saw them. I travelled at the breadth of the country, looking for players and, uh, and then teams and stuff like that. George, I did everything. I, bought, I even bought the toilet rolls. Yeah. And I made the decision at Ipswich to build the stand. 
we knew we had to kind of build a team, build a club, bit by bit. I was there 14 years. We decided to go ahead on this new stand, on this, on this new stand. 1.8 million pounds was going to cost us. I'm talking about 25 years ago. And 1.8 million pounds, then 2 million pounds would be like spending 30 million now. Yeah, yeah. But I judge it by the whole stadium now for 30 million, can't you? Yeah. And we had this board meeting, and three wanted to, to, build, to build, and three didn't. So stalemate, the chairman said, right, Bob, you've got the custom board. I said, what? He said, well, you're the manager. You know, you suggest that we should try and do this. We need your decision. Do we build or do we not build? And I was the manager. I made the decision at, at Ipswich to build the stand. And you had a good team. We didn't owe a penny. We had an 8,000 waiting list of season tickets in the whole area because we had a good team. Yeah. We, couldn't, we couldn't satisfy the public. You know, the team was better than the stadium. We, we have a situation now where the stadiums are better than the teams. Yeah, yeah. But in my time, it was in reverse. And I said to the board, we have to keep going. You know, we don't owe a penny. We've got a good youth policy going. We have a good team. We have a young team. We've got a young players coming through. Build it. So we built on my, on my decision. I had to be a financial genius. I did. <laughs> I know what you were. And I, and I was. I bought and sold well, and, and, and I developed a youth policy, but I, like I said, the chairman, but it needs time, chairman. Yeah. The seven-year-old boy and 16-year-old boy that we were going to bring into this club will not be ready for three years. Yeah. In the meantime, I don't know where we'll go. So that was one of my briefs, keepers in the black. That's gone absolutely out of the window. Yeah. Every manager I read about is wondering this summer, how much is he going to get from the chairman yeah. to make the team better? I wrote a book with Brian Scoville. I called it time on the grass, yeah. meaning the success of the club was going to be about the amount of time we spent with the players on the pitch, coaching and training and preparation and development. And I explained that to the board. And of course, that's what they did. They gave me time. Didn't give me any money, but they gave me time. And time is money in football. Yeah. And when I chased kids, which I did in, in Ipswich, because we had, we, we, we had no money. We had to develop a youth policy. I set up a great network of scouts and I set up a great youth policy. And I produced more players, I think, than any club at that time ever did, even, even West Ham. And we had an amazing record of, of yeah. bringing through players through. Top players. Top players. Beattie, Osman, Butcher, George Burley, Johnny Walk, Alan Brazil, Clive Woods, Ware Weimark, Osborne, yeah. Talbot. And they made it. They were internationals. Yeah. I only bought three players, Mariner, Muir and Tyson. The rest we developed with a scouting network, bring kids in, training, encouraging, coaching, you know, producing good players from a, like a basic ingredient. I mean, we sat in Brazil, all he had was a left foot. And I said, I remember saying to my coaches, this kid's got a left foot that is like Puskas. He had a left foot, brilliant. Didn't know where to run, a bit fat, couldn't head it. Didn't know whether he would have the, 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 the hard work ingredient to, to make it push himself. But we made him a great player. He was a great player, Brazil. He had yeah. this, and he had this left foot. It was suitless, you know, spinning and coming down the inside left channel. And I mean, would stick the ball down there and he would be on his left foot, you know. And we, and, and we produced all these players, George. When you were Ipswich manager, that was the first time you got your hand on the cup. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. What was it like, that feeling? Oh, it was thrilling. It was. Very, very satisfying, you know, just just uh, great emotion, you know, great feeling. There. It, it was an achievement, you know, yeah. we felt it was yeah. not just great, but it was an achievement. We'd been Arsenal, you know, yeah. deservedly, you know, yeah. we didn't, weren't lucky about it. 
and uh, played very well on the day and the fact that we won it and it was a marvellous feeling it was a day of real emotion and excitement and as I say achievement we just felt we'd achieved something really huge and historical and we'd never forget it and uh, would we ever win it again it would be nowhere near it if should European nights were something special for you. Oh, yeah, you I should enjoy them, yeah. yeah. Well, I've got a bevy of them with Ipswich, you know. We were in Europe about 10 years out of the yeah. 14 hours. They're amazing. The flag is up for offside against Brazil, and Ipswich win the UEFA Cup on an aggregate of five goals to four. Ipswich Town have lifted a trophy, and 7,000 and more fans from Suffolk are able now to celebrate at the end of this dramatic season for their club. Toughness, desire, enthusiasm, huge commitments as a player, you know, a bloody warrior in terms of tackling and repossessing the ball and getting forward, his bravery in the tackle, his bravery in the air. He was a great player, Brian. He was a great player. He had everything. He made goals, scored goals, defended goals. So he created, he scored, he defended. Inspirational. Tough as teak. Never saw him flinch a tackle. Never, 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 never saw him pull out in the air. Never. Him and Butcher were unbelievable. And he would hurt himself. I mean, he did hurt well, himself. Well, he, yeah. he did. I remember once Michael Allison making a statement about that. You know, Brian had to show more common sense, uh, less kamikaze. Otherwise, he wouldn't finish his career off, or something like that. Or you know, or he wouldn't get too many injuries. But George, if he didn't have that type of commitment and wasn't afraid of any hazard, he wouldn't have been Brian Robson. Yeah. He'd, have been a, he'd have been an ordinary player. But because he, he, he spotted no danger, he wasn't stupid, but he wasn't afraid of anything. No. And, but, and because he was that sort of a player, that made him that made him Brian Robson, that put him above everybody else, because nobody else had what he had. Bravery, his, his courageous attitude, his winning mentality, you know, picking the ball up and in the dressing room just before we went out and saying, and he'd pick up the ball and say, right, you know, like, right, right, are we ready, like, you know, um, let's ride, let's welly into this lot, you know, and, I, and I, you know, you thought, Jesus, he's going to... Was he, was he the best captain yeah. you had? Yeah, absolutely. But she was the same time. Robson was just magnificent, in my opinion, absolutely magnificent. I always fought with him in the team, which we had a chance of winning. And when he wasn't in the team, I always knew we had, we had a... There was a weakness. There was something the team would lack that yeah. night. And you know, he played about 90 times, you know. I think it was about 90 times. He must have missed 35 games. 
injury with me. I mean, we sent him home twice for a start, didn't we, yeah, from the yeah, two World Cups, 86 and 1990. Yeah. You know, he never played. Right. Sent him home. Right. He still got guys going, the way Gascon played and the way Robson would play with him. Well, George, well, I had him at Ipswich as a boy. Did you really? Paul Gascon was at Ipswich Town Football Club wow. on trial. Wow. I remember him. This fellow John Cruz who sent me Eric Gates and uh, B.D., a fellow called Tommy Parker and Robin Turner, John Fidelity, Paul Gascon, and sent me all those kids. He sent me Paul Gascon. Good story. Yeah, and I sent him back. Can you remember why? Because he was tubby and fat. Yeah. And I didn't think he'd ever have the body shape to be, you know, a professional footballer. I also would have a, a weight problem. Yeah, well. Yeah. And he would, he would like pace. He'd be carrying weight all the time. But George, he could head it, he could pass it, he could dribble, he could run with the ball, he could shoot. He was very infectious. He trained all day. He had amazing energy. Never seemed to tire. He knew when to pass it. That one was on, but that was better. So he always knew, nah, that's a better one. His selection of pass was terrific. Yeah. And, and no, that one's too tight. I'll lose position on that one. I'll stay, I'll play that, I'll keep it safe. He knew the, the difference between safety and penetration. I saw him play and he had, he had, he had bits, I mean, he had, but I just thought, I don't know. I don't think he'd make it really. Send him home. Well. So I made a huge mistake. <laughs> no, I did, I did. Because he turned out to be a great player in the end. I mean, you see, when Jackie was here, Jackie Charlie, wasn't he? Yeah. He drove Jackie out, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he would do. I mean, yeah. he, he would do. He never lost that, you see. Yeah. He never lost that uh, precociousness, yeah. you know, and, and, and yeah, yeah. cockiness and, 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 and stupidity and yeah. some for a laugh, you know. And he, he never lost that all the way through, you know. And, and, and he was very, very popular, I must say, in, in Italy, but he did crazy things, jumping the pools and... Playing tennis before, Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Whatever environment he was in, and he got onto a, a football pitch, something clicked in. And you could keep the concentration. He'd be daft in the dressing room before the match. Yeah. And you think, Paul, steady down the policy, you know. And yet all the time he was out on the pitch during the game, he would be highly focused, you know. He just lived for that year, that hour and a half. I mean, I remember, really, his first match when Chris Wall was playing wide on the left. And I brought him on as a servant towards the end of a match. And I put him on, and I didn't want to disturb the midfield because it was going well. So I put him on, on the right-hand side, semi-wide. I knew it wasn't his position, but we were winning at the time. And I said, look, Paul, keep on the right-hand side. Give us the width when you have to. When we've lost it, you feel you, you can tuck in to defend and get in your tackles and get possession. Do it. I said, but remember, I put you on to give us the width on the right. We've got Chrissy out there. Stay on the right. Give us the width when necessary and tuck in when we've lost it, you know. You understand that? And he did, because he, was, he, was, he had a football, right? Within two minutes, George, he's playing outside level with Chrissy. He's now gone as far from where I told him to play as anybody could do. And after the match, I, I said, Paul, I told you what to do. Stay on the right. Keep the right bird going. You know what he said? He said, but Chrissy's my mate. He said, I said... I know that. I said, he said, but I want, I want to play with me. Mate, I said, Paul, we're talking about international football. Keep on the right next time. Otherwise, I won't put you on, Paul. If you don't listen to me, I won't put you on. 
And he went across because Chrissy was his mate. And he wanted to share the ball on the left hand side with Chrissy. And we played at Wembley for 100,000 people. And it was something he had to learn about, you know. Yeah. A little bit later on, he did, yeah. He became, you know, quite a controllable boy, you know, on the pitch. You know, when he got yeah. in the team and yeah. people could see his quality and they knew he could play. And he was very influential. And the only thing, George, he, he wanted the ball so much that sometimes he would get himself way out of position, you know, in his anxiety to get the ball. But he, but he was a good player. I would have said that, that year was his finest hour. 90, yeah. 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 It was his finest bout of football, I think, in his whole career. He played well at Tottenham to, uh, to get into the squad, but he came to the fore in the World Cup. 90, I mean, obviously everyone remembers those kind of iconic images of him, him crying and the yellow card and all that. I mean, that whole tournament created such an interest in football back home and it just exploded. Yeah, sure. The thing was that I, I knew, I mean, I'd been, I'd been the job eight years, so I knew the players very well. And uh, you know, I think I'd say, look, I've got my own ideas, but I think the first thing is, who wants to take the penalties? I mean, let me throw it open to you, you know, who would like to take them? And I knew that the ones that I would like, who are no different from the ones who put up the hand. When PC missed, I couldn't believe it, because he's our best penalty kicker, PC. I thought he was. He had a strong mind, he had this left foot, and he picked his butt, but he whacked you know, he got it in there, yeah. didn't, didn't kind of, you know, he just, whoosh, little short run of it, whack it. Which, whoosh, bloody hell, like, and they scored. And I was quite calm with Chrissy. I mean, you'd take them in training like shelling peas. Right. He could run to a ball, close his eyes, and still score. And you hit them low. And, and Chrissy did so, I'd never seen him do before. He just went and he, he just leaned back, put over the ball. Yeah. Mars eye. It was uh, a shock. What can you say to someone after? Well, you can't. They were disconsolate, George. Yeah. They were tearful. And I mean tearful. And the steward piece was a strong character. Yeah. And he was, he was trilling down. Yeah, yeah. What do you do when you see two guys crestfallen? They're in a bad shape, psychologically. Emotionally and personally for them. And I just went up to them and said, You've done your best, that's all you can do, forget about it. You know. We've done brilliantly to get here. We'll all be heroes when we go home. And uh, that's all I said. You were worse. And I was <laughs> I was worse enough to for eight years not two eight years so like where do you go when you've been the manager of England for eight years and uh, at the time like all the big clubs who had you know managers so I really fancied going abroad and I got this off I knew it was a good good club a big club one of the three best in Holland European uh, champions at one stage you know they they won the European Cup didn't they at PSV and I've been at PSV anyway I've seen their stadium so I knew it had a 30,000 sellout every, every match so I knew it was a big club 
and I knew about you know the, the English language being you know prevalent there. Yeah. And like I said, where do you go when you've been England manager? And I thought, well, the, the, my next if I'm going to carry on working, and I can't get a big club here. The, the you know the, the the next step is to go abroad. And I always liked this fall, you know, with Cruyff and Crawl and Gullard and Mark Van Basten and all those. And it's producing great yeah. players, isn't it? And. Yeah. And it sort of opens doors. I mean, I, I mean, it, it, you know, proved that you could work on the. Yes, it did. Yeah, and yeah. And then you, from there, you I went. Yeah, I just went on and on and on. And then they liked me so much that they brought me back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was there for two years. Then I was away for six. So I must have pleased them because they wouldn't have brought me back, would they? Absolutely. I never bought an English player. All the time I was abroad, and I never took one Englishman to work with me. No. No. I felt I should stay with the, the uh, what was in the club, give them a chance to satisfy me. If they, if they were good, why change? And then I had the obviously European nights with PSV. Porto. Yeah. Even Sport in Lisbon. Result, Moza Deutsch, and I'm called Zero. Come, Des Jogadors. And obviously Barcelona. Our attacking structure. Oscar, Della Pena, Giovanni, uh, Ronaldo, Figo, Ocho. The previous two years before I went there, John Cruyff had never won a thing. That's why they changed him. I did very well against Real Madrid. Yeah. We drew them first round of the Spanish Cup. Jeez. Well, they, they were thinking the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were thinking, oh, no, Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. And I went, oh, no, Real Madrid, but we've not been Yeah. We drew there and won, won the replays. Oh, two legends. Yeah. I did great, you see. I, did, I mean, I did great. Yeah. I won the European Cup, won this Cup. I won the Spanish Cup. I won the Super Cup and finished second in the league. And we played 14 games more than Real Madrid did. Capello was at um, Real Madrid. He won the league by two points. He won it by one, one game. And we played that year 14 games more than they did right. that season. Because we went all the way to the European Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah. They didn't even play in Europe that year. We right. did. And we won it. So we played all those matches. I lost my job. By this time they signed Louis the year before, yeah. secretly to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly, I've had this marvelous season. They've got two managers. They've got two coaches. So Louis comes in, and I'm, st I'm still on the contract. I still one more year on the contract. So that's why they had to pay me. I was the gentleman. I. They, mean, they said to me first, "Well, what do you do?" I said, "I said we'll get rid of him." Yeah. I said, "Have I let you down? Yeah. Have I, have I not done the job for you?" Oh, but you know, so I said, "Well, get rid of him. I, 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 want, I want to see my job." And uh, I turned down Newcastle, you know, yeah, at the time yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. And. Uh, and I think they'd given him a two-year contract as well. So I had one year left. He had two years or three years. And it was delicate, you know. And yeah. I could see there was a problem. So I went to the chairman with Hojo say, I said, look, you've got yourself in a, in a problem. You shouldn't have done this. Or you should have been honest with me. You yeah. weren't. Yeah. So I was quite strong. I also tell you. I spoke for myself. And, uh, you know, they agreed. and They, they didn't know what to do. They were in a, they were in a cleft stick. Yeah. So they either had to sack me or get rid of me, or get rid of Louis. And they didn't want to sack me because I didn't deserve to be sacked. No, you know? no, no. Cause, and they were aware that I was yeah, popular. Yeah. 
and, and, and I defeated the Joan Cruyff legendary status yeah. that he'd created. I killed it yeah. in one year. So I just um, had a, you know, a couple of weeks to think about it, and they were sweating and didn't know what to do, and the bloody papers every day churned it all, you know, about uh, Profit Bobrovsky, Profit, you know, yeah. Louis Van Gaal and all this. How can you how can they do this to Bob Robson? Blah blah blah. And maybe they should be because you've got Louis Van Gaal coming with a big reputation. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare, and I just stood my ground. And I could see it was never going to get solved. So I went to them and I said, "Look, not through me, through you. You've made this yeah. mess, and you have to be aware of this." So I said, "I'll drop out. I'll leave Barcelona with my name, reputation, in yeah. completely intact." Yeah. And and uh, and they were relieved, and the chairman said, "We don't want to sack you, but what we'll do is, would you accept?" The terminology was director, because the word director is a, is, a, is a Spanish word as well, a director of fiches, which is signings. So I said, "Yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that." But um, you know, there's a condition. They said, "We know, we know what you're going to say. We will not take a penny off your salary." I travelled the world, George. I went to all sorts of countries I'd never been to before, looking at players. I just spent a year travelling. Yeah. So I went and I enjoyed my, I went to, I went to Spain. I travelled around in Spain watching yeah. teams. I went to France. I, went, I watched a bit of French football. I didn't go to Portugal very often. Went to Germany. Went to South America, to, to right. Brazil, to see some, a couple of Brazilian teams. And then I went to the, the World Under-17 Championship, which was in Egypt. So I was in Cairo and wherever they were, you know. I took a, an assistant uh, scout with me and we went to see all these youth matches, you know. It was there, I was there for about three weeks, I stayed in five-star hotels, you know, <laughs> money no object, you yeah. know, and the cars laid on and yeah. tickets down. It was great. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. How's Barcelona going on? The loss, all right. <laughs> I did some great things. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, got well paid. I was the best paid scout in the world. <laughs> Because I got paid with the yeah. same salary. Was it enjoyable or was it frustrating that you weren't set out on the Mixed, pitch? George. Yeah. Mixed. Yeah, listen, listen to this. At the end of that uh, year, when my contract was up, the chairman asked to see me, the President Nunes, asked to see me and he wanted me to stay on. He said, we can't offer you the money that you're on now because uh -huh. we've just honoured your contract. Yeah, yeah. And as you know, it was a huge sort of yeah. money, but I said, yeah, it was. So they offered me 300, which then was 10 years ago, they offered me 300 grand a year to be the scout. I turned it down and w went, I went back home. But on the way back home, I went, I, I went, I went to PSV. Yeah. But they offered me a salary of 300 grand a year and all, and all expenses and house and car to stay on. And I turned it down. I don't know why I did the right thing, but anyway, well, I went back, I, I did. I went back to PSV, PSV for a year. I got them into the Champions League again. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's me, that, that's, that's me. Well, you're responsible for, for being victorious in, 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 in playing football. You are responsible for winning games in football. You are responsible for being the best and not being the last and being and not even being second sometimes. Sometimes that's impossible to achieve what people want you to achieve. You know, there's a ruthlessness above it all, I think. And sometimes there's a, 
of lack of understanding of how difficult it is and you know the impossibilities of having to win every match in every bleeding competition because you can't do it I had a chairman George who used to say well Bobby it's not our turn to win today and by losing we're given to the team the pleasure of winning I used to look at all that and I used to say, is, is he, he alright? I mean, I should say that's a good story, isn't it? Would I do it all again? Well, I wouldn't miss it. Wouldn't miss it. Wouldn't miss it. So Bobby Robson launched his foundation in 2008 following his fifth cancer diagnosis to find more effective ways to detect and treat the disease. Part of Newcastle Hospital's charity, the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation works within the NHS and in partnership with other leading charities and organisations. It funds cutting-edge cancer treatments and innovative cancer support services, including the clinical trials of new drugs at the Sir Bobby Robson Cancer Trials Research Centre. So Bobby described his foundation as his last and greatest team. He had no idea how large his team would grow or how much it would go on to achieve. For more information or to donate, please visit sirbobbyrobsonfoundation.org.uk. That's sirbobbyrobsonfoundation.org.uk.